Money Sense is brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group, four-time recipient of the Better Business Bureau Torch Award for business ethics and integrity. Ellen Becker Investment Group is the only Wisconsin investment company to receive this prestigious award more than once by providing exceptional planning and extraordinary service each and every day. Go to ellenbecker.com and listen to Money Sense Saturdays at 2 and Sundays at noon. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker, founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. And we are located in Pewaukee, just north of I-94 between Highway 164 and Highway F. We're in that Ridgeview corporate park area. And I would invite you to stop in and see our new digs. They're really pretty cool. And uh, I think you'd really enjoy stopping in and getting to know us a little bit better. We are also in the village of Whitefish Bay. We're in the Equitable Bank building, which is directly across from Winkies. And we have the opportunity to serve our clients in Bonita Springs, Florida. If you'd like to put a voice with a face, you can go to ellenbecker.com and take a little look at our company and take a look at me if you like. My guest today is always one of my absolutely favorite people to have on the show, and that is Dan Burris, and he is considered one of the world's leading futurists on global trends and disruptive innovations, who over the past 40 years has established a worldwide reputation for his exceptional record of accurately predicting the future of technology-driven change and its direct impact on the business world. Dan has been on the radio show for probably about 20 years. I think so. Coming to talk to us and telling us what's happening in the world. And he's always one of the most interesting and innovative people um, on the show and someone that I know. And I always say uh, to his wife, Sharon, every time I leave Dan, I leave so high that my feet aren't even touching the ground. And so, Dan, welcome to the show again. Thank you. And, you know, I just wanted to bring up the fact that where so many disruptions have happened in our world this year. And I go back to hurricanes and fires and all the things that are happening. What is the impact on the world when things like that happen and businesses where, such as Fort Myers was completely wiped out and now Maui and, and how does that land on people, even psychologically, the people around them and businesses, how do they pick up and move forward, and what kind of innovations do they have this opportunity to, to create? Well, you know, there's a impact that, as you said, it spreads out. It starts in the center, whether it's Lanahi or, you know, any other place, and then it, it goes out from there. But I think the, the key is uh, uh, not just the psychological impact, but, of course, there's an economic impact that ripples out, too, depending on how big, uh, you know, that the situation is kind of stepping back from that to think through this in a, uh, in a way that can help our listeners. Uh, we can be reactive. We can react to things as they happen. We can have a wait-and-see attitude and let the future unfold. But you've known me for a long time. You know that what I want people to be is not passive receivers of the future as it plays out every day, but active shapers of the future shaping a positive future for themselves and for others. And rather than be just agile, which is what most businesses have tried to do, there's agile innovation, agile this, agile that, but we've got to remember agility came from sports. It's a reacting as quickly as you can to a disruption after it disrupts. Reacting as quickly as you can to a problem after it occurs. The problem, Karen, is, is that 
technological change is now moving at beyond exponential speeds. And I can talk about that in a little bit, but let me just keep mentioning what I'm getting at here. And that's not slowing down, that's speeding up. So being reactionary, which is agile, is really good, but we need the other side of the strategy coin, a personal strategy and a business strategy. Not just a reactor, but an anticipator. In other words, I want us to learn how to anticipate problems before they happen so we can pre-solve them. I mean, how many of our listeners have said, I knew that was going to happen, and I would <laughs> say, well, then why did you let it? And uh, because we can anticipate problems, and again, if we can pre-solve them before they happen, we can move forward faster. We can actually anticipate disruptions before they disrupt, and that turns disruption into a choice, just like AI right now. And that is another giant tsunami, whether it, because we talked a little bit about fires, you talked a little bit about floods, we've got a hurricane, we've got, you know, all these things that are taking place. And uh, many of them are even considered black swan events, uh, kind of like COVID was. Now, for those who haven't heard that phrase, <laughs> uh, black swan event is something that people feel came out of nowhere and you couldn't see it. You can see all black swans before they happen. And here's how. And imagine you're on a big lake and you're on the shore. And near you, on the shore that you're on, there are a bunch of white swans swimming around. Now, on the very distant shore, way on the other side of the lake, there are some white swans and there's one black swan. And that black swan is swimming towards you. Now, do you see it? No. You're looking down at the area that's close to you. We're looking at the present around our feet. We're not looking out into the future at what might be heading our way. If we raise our head a little bit in this metaphor and look out and even use a tool, like in this case, maybe some binoculars, you could see that black swan heading right towards you. I know you read my 1993 book, Technotrends, yes. and in that book, I had a little section uh, called uh, Blockbuster Will Be Busted. And if you read underneath that, you heard it, uh, read a description of what Netflix became. And you saw me talking about the rise of social media and smartphones and all of that back in 1993. One of the reasons that I love writing books and articles and sharing insights is to not just tell but to teach. So with that in mind, there is a way to see those disruptions before they disrupt when you learn a couple of simple things that, that I can share or, but I, I've been just talking, I wanna give you a chance to ask some questions here. <laughs> so let me let you ask some questions and then in our discussion, I can share a couple of those. Well, when I think about looking in the future, what are the things that stop people from seeing the black swans? Or, or anything. Or if, they, or if they do see the black swans, they ignore it and pretend that it's not coming. Yeah, exactly. One of the things that keeps us from that is that we all know it when we believe, mistakenly, that the future is unpredictable, other than dex, death and taxes. Everything else is unpredictable. And I would say, wow, that is completely false. Can an astronomer tell you in 2040, in the exact day in March, we'll have a full moon? Of course they can. And when the stock market goes down, will it go down to zero and stay there? No, it'll go back up. And by the way, it'll go back down. Those are called cycles. There's business cycles, weather cycles, biological cycles. There's even sales cycles. By the way, if there's a sales cycle, I like to have the sale completed before the cycle begins. <laughs> now, of course, what I'm saying is you can use cycles to your advantage. But the other kind of change 
the one that keeps us from looking at the future, to answer your question, is permanent change. Those are changes that once they change, it's not a cycle. Uh, you know, once we start buying online, once we start using a smartphone, we don't go back to the dumb phone. So is there a way to see those things and get a sense of that? And that's why people don't look at trends, because some happen and some don't. But in reality, there's, and this is now me teaching a little bit, all trends are either a hard trend based on a future fact that will happen, or they're a soft trend based on an assumption that might happen. And when you can see a hard trend, you have the certainty that can give you the confidence to make a bold move. Quick technical example, wireless. We went from 3G wireless to 4G wireless. We've all got 5G wireless. Is that it? Now, by the way, what are they going to call the next one? Six, followed by seven. We're putting a lot up in the cloud. Well, is the cloud getting full? No. And if you don't like AI, can we just say, let's stop using AI? No. It's going to grow beyond exponentially every year. The key is to shape it into something positive rather than to sit back and hope that it won't be negative. It's about actively shaping a better future. Dan, I know that you speak with a lot of executives and Fortune 500 companies and leaders in the industry, and you are giving information on some of the trends that might be happening in their business. Fear stops so many people from moving forward. How do you help an executive who sees it but just can't doesn't know how to move towards it, towards that fear. And it stops them. And it stops the company from growing or it stops their leadership skills. How do, how do you do that? Because I know you move people. Yeah, I do. And I, I think one of the beauties is uh, fear, a lot of that comes from uncertainty. Because if we're uncertain about something, if we don't have enough information about it, there's a natural fear to it. But one of the things that is powerful is the power of certainty because we live in an uncertain world. But personal strategy or business strategy based on uncertainty has high risk. On the other hand, strategy based on certainty has low risk. So I have to ask myself, am I certain of something other than death and taxes? And when I start seeing the literally thousands of things I can be absolutely certain about, all of a sudden I have the confidence to make a bold move. I realize the cost of the no is bigger than the cost of the yes. Now, here's what I mean by that. If I'm going to make a change, that means I've got to invest time and money into that change. Uh, I've got to, if it's personal, it's research. I've got to find out about this. I've got to research it. If it is a business, I've got to invest in it. And it's easy to say, you know what? I'm afraid of that. I don't understand it. I don't know. I'm just not going to do anything. And in the past, that worked. But now, because we're in a beyond exponential world, of change moving faster every year, what we have to, to do is instead ask ourselves, if we know this is going to happen and we don't take action on it, what's the cost of not doing it? So I think if you really boil it all down, it's about helping people and empowering people using, again, these separating the hard trends that are predictable from the soft trends that aren't so that you can find certainty in that uncertain world and then have the confidence to move forward and break through those barriers of fear. And it's almost like asking yourself, what's the worst case scenario? And understanding that 
rarely does that happen, but telling yourself that I can make decisions along the way. Exactly. If, you know, I can reroute my, my, the way I want to go. I can stop it altogether. I could select another way of doing it. Um, it's such a more positive thing than thinking I don't have control over those decisions. Exactly. And let me give you one other little personal insight on fear. Now, you'd know I've started six companies. And <laughs> when, I started, uh, when I started out, I was teaching. Uh, so I was teaching biology and physics and science. And when I started my idea for my first business, which was an airplane that I would build and test pilot and ended up with 37 national locations in that first year, of course, I didn't know that when I started. So when I started a business, I had never had a business course. Uh, and I started out as a teacher, which also meant I didn't have any money. <laughs> and I was good at teaching. I got an Educator of the Year award my first year. So I was already good there. And now I was going to do something that I could fail at. So here's my point. I had a fear of failure, right? There was a fear of failure. And that was keeping me from moving forward. But here's what I, what the insight that helped me. I thought, oh, I got more than that fear. I got a whole bunch of fears. Why don't I lay all my fears out and see what I've got there? And when I laid all my fears out on a table, I saw the fear of regret was bigger than the fear of failure. I didn't want to be 80, 90 years old and looking back at my life and regretting the fact that I never tried. I would rather try and fail and go back to teaching. So for me, and this is now a personal story, regret was bigger than the idea of failure. So what I would suggest to our listeners, if you've got fear, is let's, let's see what all your fears are. Lay them out. And maybe you'll find a fear, as I did, that can help you move forward. My guest today is Dan Burris. He is a world-leading futurist on global trends, and we have been talking about some of the things that are going on in the world today. And, you know, Dan, just as you bring up that subject, we're going to take our break. One of the things that you and I started to talk about before we started the radio show was this whole idea on retirement. And what I'm noticing as some people and some clients retire, they get into a mode of, of a nonchalantness where I can see them almost walking as if they have nowhere to go. And they, they lose this excitement and um, this desire to continue to learn, to continue to be curious. and. When you were talking, I thought, it's a lot like the fear to try something new. And with that, we'll be right back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker. My guest today is Dan Burris, and we are talking about some of the trends. But one of the things I, I love about working with Dan is that I can throw anything at him, and he's got insight. And as he was talking about him starting a company, and he was much younger, he has started many companies, and he has continued to grow. He's so curious. He's just... Um, like being around this bright, shining star always of information. And what I see, Dan, in many of my clients, but when I go to Florida and I go to different communities, I see people that I don't want to say are dried up, but they've lost that sparkle that they had when they were working and when they had things that happened that were so very exciting. And all of a sudden, I see people walking as if they have nowhere to go. Yeah, I think I think it's important to, first of all, revisit your definition of success because a lot of us haven't revisited what is success. 
In other words, you define it in when you're 20. Is it still valid when you're 40? Is that definition still valid when you're 70 or 80 or Or was 90? your parents' retirement the same as yours? And do you even <laughs> want it to be? Right. Uh, and I think, uh, once again, the future is, is there for us to shape. And one of the things that I did, and I started doing this back in my 20s, so it was many, many decades ago, uh, I made a commitment to myself. And I'll tell you why I made this commitment, because I'm going to share this as something for you all to consider that are listening. Um, I had a, a great-grandfather that was in his late 90s. I think it was 99. I met him when I was a little kid. And I remember thinking to myself, did he discover all that was in inside himself? Because I knew he was getting close to the end of his life. And my answer was, no, probably not. As a matter of fact, then I looked around and thought, you know, most people don't discover all that's inside them. I would like to find out what's inside me as I get a little older. How do I know what's in there? So I just, when I was in my 20s, and I'll give you an exact year, when I turned 23, I made a commitment to myself to learn one new thing a year. Now, two may not be doable, <clears throat> three may not be doable, but one is doable. So one year, I learned how to dance. One year, I learned how to hang glide. One year, I learned how to cook. One year, I learned how to do fancy dives off a diving board. One year, I got into photography. One year, I got into filmmaking. <clears throat> and one year, I got into scuba diving. Well, <clears throat> music. Yeah, I play. <laughs> so as you know, I play over a dozen instruments. Yes. Well, I didn't start with a dozen. I started with one. And, uh, and I also do a lot of different things. So you have one thing, one thing new. And by the way, how did I find that new thing every year? Did I have a list? No, here's what was interesting. Because I knew I was going to learn one new thing a year, I had a little opportunity antenna that was up in the back of my head looking for that next one. And you know what? It found me. I didn't find it. I would see something that was kind of attractive, like a drawing class. And I thought, hmm, a drawing class. I never really had a drawing class. I wonder what that would be like. And then I would walk by that little sign that had that. But would it keep speaking to me? And it started calling louder and louder until I decided, okay, that's what I'm doing next year. You see what I mean? So my suggestion is learn something new. Second, be of service to others. Oh, my God, is that powerful? Because I don't care how old you are listening to this broadcast right now. You have never been smarter than you are today, ever, in your history. You have wisdom, something young pups don't have. Uh, you have years of experience. And any way, time that we can share some of that wisdom with others, any time that we can be of service to others in whatever way you can, it will give you purpose. And again, it's, it's kind of all about purpose, isn't it? Yes. So what is the new purpose? Maybe it's, it's giving. Maybe it's taking all of that that you are, because you are far more than you think you are. Karen, you may be the world's best flute player, but if you've never p picked it up, how will you ever know? You may be able to help people. Now, I'm not talking to you, Karen, but to all of our listeners. You may have something inside of you that is unbelievable. And by the way, I actually think all of you do, that is yet undiscovered. Well, someone outside is not going to discover it for you. You need to discover that for yourself. And that's by experimenting, playing, read something you haven't read, a type of book you haven't read, read articles that you aren't, watch don't watch as much TV 
and start learning or watch some different TV and see what happens. Get into some interesting conversations. In your conversations with people, try to see if you can lower talking about people, places, and things, which are low-level conversations, by the way, and start talking about concepts, ideas, and insights, and foresights. And all of a sudden, you know what? You're going to have a really stimulating conversation. That is such good advice, and I like the way you put it, one thing new every year. Because so often when I sit down with a client who is thinking of retirement, I'll say, well, what are, what, are you, what are you interested in? Well, I work so hard I don't have any hobbies. I really don't have anything. I've got to now figure out one. And uh, but let me just comment to that. Yeah. That's a rearview mirror view, not a windshield view of their future. I don't know. I've been too busy. I don't have anything. Well, that's the past. How do you fix that? Always add the word yet to your comment. I haven't thought of anything yet. I don't have any interest yet. I've, I've, I've always wanted to go to Portugal, and I never did uh, yet. You see, all of a sudden, what you're doing, if you don't add the word yet, your mind is closed off yes. to the future. When you add the word yet, you know what you've done? You've opened the door. And yet implies it's drawing you. Maybe that's what I do want to do. My guest today is Dan Burris, and he has been giving us some great ideas. We're going to take a break, and we will be right back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker, founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. If you'd like to know more, you can go to ellenbecker.com. My guest today is Dan Burris, and he is the CEO of Burris Research and consulting firm. He works with people all over the world, all over the country. And so, uh, Dan, I'd like you to give out the information so later in the show so that people know how to connect with you. And uh, one of the things that you brought up a couple times in talking is AI. And that is, I think, in a way, um, very difficult for people to understand how it affects them, the world, their business. Can you give us a definition of it so that people, my listeners, can understand exactly what you're talking about? Yes. Um, something happened back in uh, November, December of last year that is not evolutionary but really revolutionary. And that is uh, a company called OpenAI introduced ChatGPT, it's called. Now, some of our listeners know about this. Some of our listeners don't. But AI has been around for a long time. I've been writing and studying it for 40 years. And actually, I do a lot of uh, uh, work with the Pentagon and with uh, defense contractors and so on on AI. So I've, I've got a lot of knowledge on that. So it was in a rapid evolutionary state until towards the end of last year, and it jumped to a revolutionary state because it used the spoken word written language instead of coding to be able to work. And what OpenAI did was they released ChatGPT, that's the, the application, to the world for free. So that anybody in the world could use it for free. And all you could, all you had to do is ask it a question, type in what you wanted, and it Robe would, co. and it would give you the answer. Isn't that like Robco or something like that? One N of those? Uh, no, it's no? far more powerful than that. Oh boy! And uh, yeah, I mean, it learned uh, the 3.5 version of it uh, learned from 178 billion 
bits of knowledge, and uh, the new uh, 4.0 is over a trillion, and the next one will be many trillions, which will be coming out in a few months. So it's unbelievable. So now here's... (coughs) So here's what uh, uh, what happened, and that is that it was the fastest growing software in history. To get 100 million users did take uh, two months. To get 100 million users, uh, it, it just grew like crazy. It grew so much that uh, Microsoft said, all right, well, we're going to invest billions in it and be part of it. Uh, when they released it, Google and other companies like that decided, boy, we look bad now. It's, in, it's making our search engine look obsolete. <laughs> so they started releasing their versions. Everybody started releasing their own versions. So now we have many versions of it. But let me just give you an idea of what it can do, first of all. Um, if you are developing software and you're writing the code, what you can do is put the code into ChatGPT and say, finish the code, and it'll finish it for you, and it'll work. You can say, are there any bugs in my code? It'll find the bugs and fix them for you. Um, Matter of fact, if you want to create a mobile application, you would have had to find a company to create a mobile application. But now you can tell it what you want it to do, and it'll create it for you. You have a PowerPoint that you want to put together. Uh, You can type in what you want the PowerPoint to do, what you want it to say, here's what I want to happen, and it will not only create the PowerPoint with your branding, if that's what you tell it to do, but it'll actually even include original uh, photography and original graphics and even create a video for you. Uh, (laughs) In other words, whoa, it can do insane amounts of things. So um, because it can do so much and it can do it so quickly, and so easily. Students all over the country, even at the elementary level, but at the college level, have been using it to do their homework because it can do their homework in 20 seconds. Uh, And by the way, do it really well. By the way, ChatGPT can pass the bar exam. Uh, It can, you know, it can... Medical school. Well, it's passed already. (laughs) So it can do that. So it's got that kind of level, and that's today, not even tomorrow. So, um, matter of fact, I was just at a major university talking to the faculty a few weeks ago on how to use ChatGPT in a positive way with the students because I said the students are all plugged in, ready to go. You need to give them guidance. It's the elephant in the room. Otherwise, it's going to work against you, and the students will learn nothing, and Chat will do all their homework for them, which actually kind of defeats the purpose of going to school in the first place. So, to boil it all down, there is a very bad side of this technology and a very good side. By the way, that's true for all technology. But this AI is so powerful, it elevates the bad and the good. For example, I have a friend of mine who's a doctor. He was applying for a grant for his hospital. He used ChatGPT and got the money. Um, I have another friend that uh, owns a big company. He had a customer that was upset and he was going to spend a couple hours trying to write an, uh, you know, an article back or a text back to him to try to win him back over again. He asked Chat to do it. It was so good, he sent that to the customer, and the customer loved it and came back in the fold with him. So it's got, but on the negative side, <clears throat> it can copy your or my voice in three seconds. So I could, uh, if I was a bad guy, I could use Facebook and a voice in there of your son or daughter, have them call you, if you're grandma or grandpa, with their voice 
saying, hey, I, I need money, you need to send it to me now, and it'll sound like them, and you could be scammed. And by the way, that could be, that's just one little element I'm giving you. So the ability to do negative things is unbelievably huge, more so than any other time in history. The ability to do positive things, find new funding for a, a, a foundation that you started, because I know you have many, Karen. By the way, whoa, it could help you with your foundation. So good and evil has existed on the planet ever since we've been around on planet Earth. You, if you look around, you can find heaven or hell. There's up or down, black or white, you know, all of the, the different things out there. So there will be negative things done. I choose to do positive things. I know our listeners are not going to choose to do negative things. They're going to choose to do positive things. So if you'd like to experiment with it, uh, you could go to write, do this, put in chat.openai.com chat.openai.com. OpenAI is one big word. And then you can get yourself a free account. Do that. Try it. And uh, by the way, if you, uh, you like what you get, I suggest for $20 a month, which is cheap compared to what it'll do for you, uh, you can get access to the latest version and it'll knock your socks off. One quick example, I had a house guest that was staying uh, with us at the lake. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, she's got a PhD. She's a, uh, a counselor to uh, first responders uh, who have got post-traumatic stress syndrome from doing something. And uh, I had uh, ChatGPT to show her how it worked. I said, write a poem from a uh, counselor to, a, uh, to one of their patients. And it, in 20 seconds, wrote this beautiful poem and she read it, and she was crying by the end of it because it was so beautiful. And she asked me, can I use this? This is so good. And I said, well, you can't copyright it because a human didn't write it. A machine wrote it. <laughs> uh, so it's not copyrightable. But you can use it however you use it by saying this was written by ChatGPT if you want to be in high ethics. If you wanted to not say it, you could say it's yours, but... Uh, you know, that's where the conundrum comes in. You got to look in the mirror every morning. You got to look in the mirror. But my point is, if it can write a poem that can get somebody to cry in 20 seconds, uh, imagine what this can do. I suggest you don't know if you don't take a look at it. Check it out. And if you're a business, um, you can increase your uh, productivity and get rid of redundant things so fast it's insane because it'll get all your people accomplishing what they want to accomplish 80% there in seconds. The last 20% is them now adding their elements to it and getting rid of all the stuff that's not good because it learned from the internet and there's stuff in there that's not valid. But there's a lot of great stuff in there. So instead of starting at a blank page at zero, start at 80% and then refine. Think of it this way. It's your first draft digital assistant, not your last draft digital assistant. One last quick comment. An interviewer recently asked me, will humans be replaced by AI? My answer is, humans will be replaced by humans using AI. Think about that. Wow. I think we're all going to be using it to help us out. 
My guest today is Dan Burris, and he is um, a founding member of the Department of Defense Joint Services Futures Group and is a strategic advisor to executives from Fortune 500 companies. He helps clients develop game-changing strategies based on proven mythologies for capitalizing on technology, innovations, and their future impact. When we come back, Dan, let's talk about how you are out there in the world and how you're using this information to really help businesses understand what their future could look like. And with that, we'll be right back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker. My guest today is Dan Burris. His, uh, as I said, he's. I'm sure that you are just in awe, just as I always am, listening to the depth of knowledge that he has. And Dan, I know that you do a lot of writing and you've written on artificial intelligence. What? How do people get more information on this if they want to try it? Well, I just actually just published a report that is free. You can get it for free. Uh, and it covers what I did is I reviewed 3,000 AI tools. These are easy tools to use. Anybody could use this. And uh, pick the top five in these different categories of if you want to create a PowerPoint or whatever that you want to do. Matter of fact, most of you probably don't even know what it can do. This report would help you, including it gives you some case studies. And if you just click on it, it'll take you right to how to get that tool. By the way, many of these tools are free. And they're easy to use. So if you go to AIStrategyReport.com, AIStrategyReport.com, you can download it for free, and there you go. So you'll get, I, I think you will find high value in, in taking a look at that. Uh, secondly, I have, uh, I think you know I've got uh, well over a million people that are following me on LinkedIn. And I publish uh, something weekly, not just on AI, but on how to shape a positive future and how to use these hard trends and what they are. Uh, so connect with me on LinkedIn. That's another way. So one of the things that you asked me about is uh, how am I helping clients? Uh, and one of the things that I'm doing is changing how they think without telling them what to think. You see, I don't have the right to, to tell you what to think but I can change how you think about the future. I can change how you think about what's possible. I can change how you think about what you're certain about uh, by giving you a methodology. And that's where, again, this hard trend, soft trend methodology is so easy. All trends are either a hard trend or a soft trend. So um, being able to know the difference makes all the difference. And again, you can get my anticipatory organization book or go, uh, matter of fact, on Burris.com, I've written thousands of blogs and you can get those for free and you can even do a search of subject in there. <laughs> so I'm not just trying to sell you something. I'm saying there's a lot of resources for you to, uh, to get. You're a to, teacher. Yeah, well, the two most important moments in a human's life is the day you're born and the day you find out why you're born. I'm fortunate long ago I found out I was put on the planet to teach. That's what I enjoy doing. I can't help myself. So go to burrus.com. There's a lot of free resources. There's also some other things in there I think you might find use. Remember, you're going to spend your rest of your life in the future. Maybe you ought to think about it. Maybe you ought to plan it out. Here's what I'd like to suggest you do. I'd like you, retired or not, 
to spend one hour a week, not as a crisis manager putting out fires and dealing with the next thing that happens. Uh, I would like you to be an opportunity manager of your life and of your future. I'd like you to spend that hour, by the way, if you don't put it in your calendar, it won't happen. You'll be busy putting out another fire. <laughs> this is about opportunity. So mark that in your calendar, an hour a week, and instead of looking at all the things you're uncertain about, which doesn't empower you, ask yourself, what do I know? What am I certain about? And you'll get a list. That's number one. Number two, a hard trend or it by itself or a soft trend by itself, frankly, is kind of boring until you attach an opportunity to it. So if there's a hard trend, AI, ChatGPT, just told me about that. Wow, that sounds like a disruption like crazy. By the way, it is. Um, then what's the opportunity for you using it? And you'll find one if you experiment. I guarantee it. I don't care how old you are, what you are. You will find it. Uh, in there. Uh, if it's a soft trend, again, that's based on an assumption that may or may not happen, but it doesn't mean it will. Why do I like a soft trend? And that is, if you don't like it, you can change it. So when you're saying, I don't know if my future looks very bright because I'm older and uh, my best days are behind me and I'm not in great shape anymore uh, and I don't have any hobbies, um, that so I don't know if I'm going to have a very good future. That is a soft trend. That's not a future fact. That's a future maybe. You can indeed let yourself have a future that is not that good. I suggest you change that. I suggest you design a great future. You know, you know, I've written seven books. We're all writing our own book of life every day. And if you're on a chapter that's becoming a bummer, I suggest a new chapter. <laughs> Why create a tragedy when you could create something great? And if you've got, you don't know how many chapters you got left. Well, why don't you make them all great? If you're young, make it a great book. If you're older, make the last chapters actually your best chapters. I love it that you say we all have something within us. I, I know that. I have worked with so many thousands of people, actually millions over the decades. And every one of them has got uh, talents, but they all have a little unique gift. And, you know, if we don't look for the gift, we'll never find it. But your gift is in you. You have a special one. Let's make sure we try to figure out what it is and use it. Dan, what is the, what stands out to you in all the people that you have challenged and you have helped to find that within themselves or their business? I mean, what is something that really stands out to you that was a wow? What stands out to me is what people can do when they, uh, when they shift their mindset from being crisis reactionary to being anticipatory opportunity. Uh, once they start seeing, wow, how many opportunities they are for them personally uh, to live not just a successful life, but now a significant life. Uh, wow. And by the way, what's the difference between success and significance? Let me ask that quick question. Uh, success is all about you. Significance is what you do for others. If you can elevate your significance, you know what happens? You'll be far more successful. So if we can elevate our ability to help others and do things for others, all of a sudden, we end up being more successful. There's many ways of doing that. Uh, there's that bigger big, because we all have a picture of 
what might be a big future for ourselves or a big thing. But there's always a bigger big. Let's step back and uh, ask yourself, is there a bigger big that happens to also involve significance? And I think you can really find some something there. Tell my listeners how they can get in touch with you. Um, if there's, I have so many business owners and corporations that listen, which is just always a delight to me. If they would like you to come in and speak to them, I know you do some things online. You do personal um, talks. Give them an idea of what's available. Yeah, I, I will. I mean, you know, I've, I know I've got one coming up Friday to an executive group, and there's 20 in there. But I also know two weeks ago I was giving a speech in uh, Las Vegas to 20,000 people. So it really varies. And it's not just speeches, it's consulting. If you go to Burris, B-U-R-R-U-S dot com, you can get what you need to find out how to get in touch with me and uh, and get a better idea of the kind of services that I provide. And by the way, I've got some free newsletters, blogs, everything else in there. And I'm suggesting connecting with me on LinkedIn, too. I think you'll find uh, that I share a lot. That's why I've got so many followers. I'm really providing a lot of insights. Dan, one of the things that I noticed in some information that you had, that you talk quite a bit about websites. And What's changing? I mean, how are people communicating with each other? Is websites still very important in terms of business? Is it LinkedIn's that the most important thing that business should be looking at? Where do businesses go to get the most that they can out of their marketing or telling their story? Yeah, I think, uh, first of all, you use the story. Let me just make a statement. He who has the best story wins. (laughs) So all of you have a story. Every company has a story. There's a story around every product. There's a story around every piece of beautiful art that you have in your new building here, Karen. And it's the story that makes it come to life. It's not the thing, it's the story. So let's make sure we're good storytellers, A. And secondly, let's make sure that we're omni-channel about it. Uh, One channel is a website, but I wanna have many channels So I want to have AI helping me. I want LinkedIn helping me. I want a website. I want to bring them all together so that they're giving out the same message in harmony. I want to be the conductor of an orchestra filled with these different tools to be able to get out. And when you get that AIStrategyReport.com, you'll also see some new ways that you can create uh, and share the story to increase your influence and impact. Wow, that sounds exciting. I'm going to look at it. I have to say that I really haven't. It's one of those things that people talk about, but I haven't, you know, it seemed out of my reach in many ways. But I, as you're talking, I can think of several different ways that it would be a real value to me personally and to my business. So thank you for that. And I know my listeners will be very grateful. Do you want to give that out again, how they can get your information? We've got just about... Yeah, yeah. It, once again, AIStrategyReport.com. Uh, if that's uh, too hard to remember, Burrus, B-U-R-R-U-S.com. If you just scroll down on my homepage, you can see how to download that report. And I can say, uh, you know, right now you think you know all the th- ways that you could apply it. When you look that group through that report, you will sit back and go, wow, I didn't realize the impact that this could have on my nonprofits, on my for-profit business, you'll all say that, or on my retirement, if that's the stage you're in. You know, Dan, just the last comment that I've, I've noticed from even myself is that when you get so busy, your world becomes very small. 
And what you've done is just shown us ways to expand our world and to keep growing and to be interested in things. It doesn't all have to be perfect for you, but just by t- looking at something new, it's going to fire up something else. Exactly. Which is really a wonderful thing. I mean, as, as we go through our life, whatever age you are. Exactly. And again, the idea of giving to others and helping others and sharing our wisdom is so powerful. It's fantastic. My guest today, again, is Dan Burris. And as I said, he's a leading futurist on trends, and he's my friend. And I am just so happy that um, he has made the time to come and talk to you because he is by far one of my number one guests on this show. And as always, I hope that I've made a difference in your personal and your financial well-being. Remember, before we plan, before we advise, before we invest, we always listen. You have a great weekend. Bye-bye.